You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Hey everybody, welcome. Welcome to Burley Church Online. <laughs> great to have you here. Say it every time, but it's great to connect this way. And um, it's fantastic to have technology in this strange season. I'm a little bit over this strange season. I'm a little bit over even saying strange season, but it is. It's uh, It's not just a pandemic. Stuff going on all around our world that is just weird, strange. It's unveiling some things. It's some revealing some things. And just hope you're doing all right. And I guess this morning we're in an in-between series. Um, next week, we're going to start a series called uh, Hope and Health. And we've just come out of another series on cultivating fruit. So I thought while we're in the middle there, I want to ask really one question said differently. <laughs> but I want to ask some questions and I want to have a time of reflection as uh, we ask kind of the question that been bubbling around in my head is what is this season doing to us? How is it affecting you? How is it affecting your family? How is it affecting your spiritual, your mental, your physical health? And that's kind of where we're going to head. Uh, we know as a society the, the data is pretty, pretty depressing um, the, the Brain and Mind Institute in Sydney is predicting a 13.7% increase in suicide. Just that's, yeah, there's no words on, on, on the depression and anxiety that is skyrocketing. And I don't want to pretend that um, that's all to do with this pandemic. Um, of course, there's, there's chemical, there's, there's trauma, there's family, there's, there's relationships. There's all types of things that play into that increase but certainly this season is doing something, is changing the way we're thinking, is transforming people. And so we want to speak about that. We want to admit that. And we want to talk about how as Christians, we let that, I guess, impact us and change us. And so I want to talk about this word, discipleship. And I'm going to be talking a lot about this word over the next few weeks, discipleship. Or well, more importantly, I want to ask this question. Who or what are you a disciple of? Let me ask that again. Who or what are you a disciple of? Disciple is such it's such a Christian word, isn't it? Uh, probably only 10% of the world know what I'm talking about. Um, and if you don't, stay with us. Um, we're going to explain it. Um, as I, The longer I stay in ministry, the more I dislike words that only have meaning for a small percentage um, of people or almost like a different language. It's so unhelpful. And so let's ask, maybe let me ask the question this way. Who is your apprenticeship under? Who are you apprenticing to? Let me think about that for a second. Now, my guess is majority of people watching will have the correct answer. And it's true. They'll say, quick, Jesus. Of course, it's Jesus. But, I, but well, no buts. It is Jesus. Um, but honestly, while you're sitting watching this video today, I'd love you to reflect a little bit more deeper than that. Is there a close second? Is there something else affecting you that's got in the way? Is there a, a to use another Christianese type word, is there an idol? Is there something else that's got a bit blurry and, and maybe knocked Jesus off the top spot? I don't know. 
I guess I'd hate to come off five hours. Seriously, our Cultivating Fruit series was five hours of teaching and hopefully discussion and not ask some serious questions of ourselves. Who is your apprenticeship really under? Who are you listening to at the moment? Who's affecting? Who's changing? Who's speaking into your life? Let me explain further with the Bible in Romans 12. But before, sorry, before we get to Romans 12, let me explore and kind of paraphrase Romans 11. See, Romans tells the story of the remnant Israel, the Jewish people, the believing Jews, and then the Gentiles being allowed in to the one family through Christ Jesus. As we say here at this church, uh, an inviting, ever-growing family table. We're allowed at the seat. We're allowed a seat at the table with God at the head and through the grace of Jesus, we've been allowed in all together, all from different backgrounds. And in this case, it was the Jews and the Gentiles. And so the most important thing I want to draw out of uh, Romans 11 is that we don't have to do anything. We're not saved by our works. We're not saved by our background. We're not saved by our own energy. It's, It's all Jesus. Um, And the reason that's important for me to start with is because over this series, we'll be talking about doing things, setting some things in practice, putting, I guess, effort in, but not earning God's favor, if that makes sense. And because we're talking about doing things, I want to start and make sure we're all on the same page that we're we're not earning God's favor by doing this stuff. He already loves us but we want to talk about how we respond to his love, how we respond to what he's done. Romans 12 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, what he's already done, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He just defined worship as offering our whole lives in response to God's grace and mercy. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, because his will is what? It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Paul is describing worship, not earning favor. He's describing a good God. We know he's a good God through what he has already done. And as a response, we're going to be speaking about worship and how it affects us, offering ourselves as a walking, talking, growing sacrifice as we respond to everything God is doing in our life. So we could word the question differently again to, who are you worshipping lately? (laughs) Who are you worshipping lately? At that point, you might say, Steve, when you put it like that, that is easy. It's it's Jesus because I haven't laid incense or sung songs of praise to any other God lately. So I stand by my first answer, Steve, Jesus, you might say. <laughs> In which I'd like to highlight the phrase used when we think a bit more broadly about worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Or as James talks about in his is in his book, the book of James, funny enough, he talks about being stained by the world's ways. In other words, 
I get that most of us listening to this haven't laid incense for another God, (laughs) haven't sung worship lately to another God, or haven't been to another church for another God. I get that. But what Paul is encouraging us to reflect on is, is if someone was to watch your ways, if someone was to watch how you spend your money, if someone was to see how you spend your time, if someone has to see what you speak about, what you listen to, what gets you up in the morning, what's the first and last thing you think about during the day. If you were to explore your patterns, let me ask you this question again. Who might they say your apprenticeship is under? Upon reflection, Who might be a close second for your worship? And therefore, let's follow the logic of Paul's teaching in Romans 12. If that's who you might be worshipping, if that's who you're letting affect you, if that's where you're spending your time, who are you becoming? Who's your identity resting in? Who are you becoming over time? These are deep, deep questions to reflect on. You see, everybody, not just Christians right now, everybody is doing an apprenticeship. It's one of the greatest lies that possibly your non-church friends believe um, is that your friends at uni, your friends at work, your neighbours, your kids, your grandkids might believe this. They might think they're not a disciple, they're not an apprentice. And... They're wrong. <laughs> Let me explain using a documentary that's just called The Social Dilemma that was aired on Netflix. Um, uh, and, and let me, let me, as the experts spoke about what social media is designed for, this is what one of the chief engineers of Twitter had to say. Listen to this. This is the product of what social media is for explained by the people designing it. Listen to this. It's the gradual, slight, imperceptible change in our own behavior and perception that is the product. In other words, the product, the reason Facebook, Instagram, whatever, TikTok is free is because that's not the product. The product is the discipleship of you. The product is to change your mind. The product isn't even to try to get you to buy something that you want. It's to try to change your mind to buy the things that they want you to want. It's to change your wants. It's to change your desires. It's to change the way you think and live. They're they're admitting this. This isn't some sort of crazy conspiracy theory. Every pretty half-dressed girl dancing on TikTok, men, it's doing something to who you are. Every super pretty, organized, successful influencer, even if she's hashtag real, is doing something to you girls. Every Netflix show that uh, has a token um, transgender person is preaching something at you. We're not talking about that topic at the moment, but it is definitely saying something to you. Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, guys I listen to, but still, please admit, That Netflix special is influencing you. Every person you see online with a better life than you, seemingly, is forming you. Every political news article is discipling you. 
And for those not on social media listening, going, well, I'm not on that. I don't understand what you're talking about. Then you don't escape either. Every current affair, every project episode, every newspaper article, every story you and your friends tell each other affects the way you see the world, disciples you. <coughs> Even your friends, think about this. We all have friends like this that say, hey, I'm a free agent. <laughs> I don't subscribe to anything. I'm just living my best life. It takes a lot of effort to be discipled in that way. It takes a lot of effort to pretend like you're putting no effort in. Even they are a disciple of that philosophy, an apprentice to that way of living. Even your angry atheist neighbor who doesn't believe in anything is extremely committed and religious towards that belief. Am I right? Even very preachy. Probably preaches more than you do to them about how there's no God. They are a disciple. Paul, and this is why Paul writes about this in Romans, to the church, to you guys, and then therefore me as well. I'm simply encouraging you this morning to reflect and know that you, the difference being a Christian is you have the freedom to choose. But don't just assume that you're naturally being discipled in a certain way. You have to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Your patterns have to be a response because the world's also trying to disciple you. Don't assume that you're naturally becoming more like Jesus because you even attend church. That's great. But the second you turn on the radio after church, the world's preaching another message at you. And that's the world. Some of those messages aren't even bad. Just at least admit that there's a choice to be made. A community I greatly admire, Bridgetown in Portland, America, calls this idea unintentional discipleship. They say that in this world, the stories we believe, the habits and our relationships equal our environment And over time, whether you choose to or not, you will automatically be discipled by something, whether you like it or not. So on that, I want to talk a little bit about me for a small moment. I want to give an example. Some of you would have heard my testimony, but I want to give it again. I want to talk a little bit about my transformation, if that's okay, using some humor and hopefully some funny photos that are going to come up now. Here's a picture of 18-year-old Steve. Look at him. Look at that sweaty man, <laughs> young teenager in all his sweatiness, punching above his weight with his picture of his girlfriend there, my now wife, who, who, who that young Steve is awkward. Let me tell you about him. He's deeply insecure. He has no idea who or what he wants to be. He's not conscious of this, but desperate to find identity in something. Admittedly, as most young adults or late young adults are right now, I was desperate to know who I was. I was desperate to follow someone. Very oily, (laughs) as the picture shows. And then I found this. This is another picture. This is my bass guitar. I noticed things happened. I noticed people looked at me different when I played this thing. And so was the beginning of my unintentional discipleship. If you had asked 18-year-old Steve, 
who he was doing his apprenticeship under, this is what he would have said. Jesus. I was in charge of the youth band. Um, I was the only bass player at my current church at that time. I was a Sunday committed Christian from five generations of Church of Christ. (laughs) Jesus. If you had asked me literally who I was doing my apprenticeship under, I would have said at that time I was doing electrical apprenticeship. So I would have said electrician. But what do you think I was doing? Let me tell you what I was doing in every spare moment or daydreaming on the work site or wafting off in church thinking about. I was thinking about and reading gig guides. I was reading Rolling Stone magazines. I was listening to certain types of music. I was talking about music. I started talking every chance I get about my band, my band, my band. Did I mention my band? I was spending two nights a week practicing in my living room, daydreaming like badly installing (laughs) um, fans, ceiling fans, Um, because I was thinking, I was distracted. I was placing my identity, my patterns were this. My heroes were about this. I've got some pictures here, the bands I was listening to. My habits were this. My relationships were about this. And so what happens, does Paul tell us? I was discipled. I was discipled by the big rock stars, even in Christian churches. They were my heroes. Got pictures there of a band called The Vines and We Are Scientists. And then you've got a picture of a guitar, a Hillsong guitarist. These were who I was looking to. And so music isn't evil. Creativity isn't evil. Being in a band isn't evil. Of course not. But my mind, for me, over a decade, was shifting to worshipping this stuff. It was discipling me in a different way towards myself. Again, if you want that, do what you want. But at least understand that you are a disciple. Whoever, whatever you're watching from, you are being transformed into something. Have the courage to admit what that is at the moment. Or what's a close second or what might be distracting you presently. Because that's who you will become. For me... My identity rested in that. I became a pretty self-involved, looks and image-obsessed, deeply insecure, somewhat self-destructive narcissist. That's how I'd explain myself. And I started to look and talk like those that were discipling me. Even if you had to ask me at any point, I would have said Jesus. What's it for you? I'm a pretty extreme guy, so maybe yours is less extreme. Maybe it's safety. Maybe it's a control you put above Jesus. So everything you're doing is trying to financially secure yourself. So you love Jesus, amen, hallelujah, but all your energy is about your future securities. How's your discipleship going to end up with that? Maybe you love Jesus, hallelujah, amen, but you also really don't want to disappoint your parents. And so your parents are about pleasing. Your life is about making them proud. That's where your identity sits. Maybe you love Jesus, but you're really into politics at the moment in this season. So all your time is spent listening, focusing on this. Maybe it's education, career. Maybe it's your friends. This is a massive one for Australians, especially Australians. Maybe you really, really care about what your friends think, 
what others think of you. Letting their opinions disciple you. Letting their opinions form you. Maybe it's religion. So often all humans do this and we all have done it. Everyone in the Bible seems to do this (laughs) at some point. Maybe you worship the method, not the mission. Maybe you worship the kingdom, the things you did or do in church or for religion more than the king. We even get discipled. It's even possible to be discipled by a different era. What do I mean? For me, it's the 90s. (laughs) Hands down, dead set, there was no better time to be in church than in the 90s. That was when the best music, that was when the best teaching, that was when I was in youth group, that was when there was night services, that's when there was supper after church. Dead set, best era to be in church. You're probably screaming at the TV. No, you're wrong. It was. (laughs) And you get my point. We all have favorite eras of church or different ways and styles, but that's not what we're being discipled to. If I pastored like a church pastor in the 90s, I'd completely (laughs) miss the mark for 2020 because we're not in the 90s. We're in 2020. Thus, it needs gifting and leadership and discernment into what the king is doing in his kingdom today. Who are you being discipled by? What are you listening to? And you could say, Steve, and this would be fair enough, isn't this good stuff? Some of this stuff isn't evil. And of course not. Caring about your career, respecting your partner, being a good friend, loving your parents, your favorite era of church, that's all phenomenal. That's fine. But it's when it starts to define you. It's when you start to think that's, everything. It's when it's all your reading. It's all your talking. It's the primary thing you're worshiping. Or as Paul says, you're offering a living sacrifice towards it. You could say this. You could word the question this way. What are you giving your life up for? Who are you being discipled by? What's your apprenticeship under? What are you worshiping or the most pointed way that Paul is alluding to here is what are you giving your life up for? Seniors in the watching this online, those, if you don't mind me calling you that, you can define yourself on whatever that is, (laughs) but you will actually understand this more than anyone else listening, way more than me. Because you've seen, you've been blessed by seeing discipleship happen in people that you know for 30 to 70 years. You will have friends, you'll know them, that have let fear and suspicion apprentice them. And so you'll see them now and the patterns of their world and the discipleship has taken place. And now they are anxiety ridden. They're angry. They're controlling. Their their worldview has got smaller, not bigger through their discipleship. You will know them. On the flip side, those that have lived long enough life will also know people that have let the peace of God transcend, have gone to Jesus before their friends have gone to the word of God before a current affairs truth, have gone to what the king wants to do before they've gone to their favorite part of the kingdom. And they are something to behold, a person who has lived 50, 60 years in that apprenticeship. 
They're not perfect, but sometimes you've got to wonder with some of these, are they close? Because <laughs> I've let God apprentice them. Young people then, learn from this. Cheat the system. Learn from a life lived in discipleship. What do you want to let transform? What do you want to give your life up for? In my context here, in my community, I'm going to mention some names. If you watch and you say, I want to learn and develop the deep joy of Bev Weems, I want to learn that. The wisdom of Jewel, the faithfulness of Judy and Betty, the gentleness of peace of John Flannery. That's just to name a few. There's heaps. We can learn from them. We can say to Bev, hey, I know... Your season of life over the last four years has been up and really down. But in all of that, I have observed a deep sense of not a feeling of happiness, but a deep sense of joy and hope in who Jesus is. And I would love to know that as I grow in my apprenticeship, I'd love to know what she has done to develop that. I'd love to know how how to have the gentleness of John, the peace of John Flannery. Ask him. It's called discipleship. (laughs) This is what a discipleship to Jesus looks like, returning to the creator, his purpose, a life of constant change but an unchanging saviour, a life of peace that grows and transcends understanding. It's not a life of happiness all the time. It's a life of deep, as we spoke about for literally two months, deep fruit. It's one of adventure and impact both now and eternally. It's a life of building something bigger than ourselves, something of true value. So let me ask the question again. Who or what are you a disciple of? We've got some um, actually some forms, some questions that are going to come with this this sermon this morning, and I'll attach them via all the different ways you can watch this. And uh, they look a little bit like this. You may not be able to see that, but you'll be able to see it. They'll be attached below. And I just love us to reflect on this. It has things like looks, financial security, career, ideal partner, experiences, social justice, parents, phone, sex, comfort, a certain era, entertainment, happiness, myself, a desired lifestyle. You can have a look and then it has questions to reflect on this week. This is really when we can start to activate what we keep talking about, our small community, our small tables. We can talk about this this week with them. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? What are you generous towards? What distracts you? Who are you looking to? Who are your heroes? Who do you look to in a time of confusion? We can do a bit of a health check, church, in a very strange season. Check ourselves. We all need it at any stage. Check who are we following? Who's discipling us? Who's influencing us? And therefore, who as individuals are we becoming? And as a church community, who are we forming into? Appreciate your reflection on this. Appreciate taking the time just to stop and consider deeply these things. And I'm really looking forward to this next series as we talk about 
putting things into place so that we can transform in a certain direction. <laughs> but more on that next week. Let me pray. And um, if you're watching this online, I'd love you to comment, love you to pr- private message, love you to email us, love you to call us, love you to discuss this with your small community and uh, wrestle this stuff out. And as we exit this strange season, what a great chance to just, I guess, maybe just be put back on track. Yeah, I don't know how it is for you, but if you've been stirred by this, we'd love to talk to you. So let me pray. Father, we are all disciples. We are all apprenticeships, apprentice, apprentices. We are designed to worship. And if it's not you, we will find something to worship. Father, I think about the people of God, your people back in Israel. Only took a moment for Moses to go up the hill and we'd already created a calf of gold. <laughs> we can't help ourselves, Father. We, we get so easily distracted, so easily eager to worship something tangible that sometimes we get distracted from you, Lord. And if that's us, if we don't know you or we just need to be put back on track, Lord, I just, Father, just reveal to us this week. Reveal to us in our quiet times, in our small table discussions. May we be encouraged to step back in line and be discipled and choose. Choose to not be slaves of the world, but choose in our freedom as a response to offer our living ourselves, our lives as living sacrifices towards you. (laughs) May over the next season we grow and become more like you, Jesus, in every single way. In, In your holy name, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning. I look forward to hearing some of your reflections and uh, some of the things God has spoke to you about. Thanks.